Thank you for listening to Faith Worship Center's weekly sermon. If you'd like more information about our church and ministry, please visit faithworship.org. Good morning, everyone. How is life? Life is good. Um, Spring is here. Early. Predictions are that it will come two two weeks earlier this year, and I'm more than happy to hear that and see the crocuses popping up through the ground and nature chasing each other. All good stuff for me. Some of you still like the winter, I guess, but I'm I'm excited about spring. How many um, How many are thankful that you're here today? That's good. Are you thankful? Yeah. Mario's was so fun last week. I I love him. I love it when he comes. He brings such a presence of governmental authority and. I just love it. Absolutely love it. I love you guys too. You're an amazing church. You know, the years that we've been here, there's there's been a lot of things that the Lord has shown us along the way. And everything in our history is something that we can gain from and learn from in progressing forward. They say history doesn't repeat itself. People just keep making the same mistakes. And I think that's somewhat true. And yet, at the same time, I believe that our history teaches us and has the capability of transforming us. As someone reminded me this morning, it's a process. And we're in a process. I want to be able to teach this morning on... Living Water Part 2. And uh, the last time I I shared this, I I talked about how Jesus is the living water. And when we drink from Jesus, we we drink forever and never have to thirst again. And I shared some things about natural water and um, the living water that comes from Jesus. And we talked about how the original water that when God created the earth, heavens and the earth, how he hovered over the face of the deep. The deep was already there. The water was already there. We don't know how deep it was, how extensive it was. We just know that he spoke and he separated the water from the firmament. And then he caused land to come up and separate the waters. And I believe that the waters in those days, um, I believe that they carried within them heaven's DNA. And that the water of that day before the fall of man was eternal water. I believe it was living water. Filled with life. I believe everything in creation was different than what we know it today. That when man decided to partner with the lies of the enemy, creation suffered for it and is now groaning. But the good news is creation is groaning, awaiting for the sons of God to arise. And guess who the sons of God are? Anyone who drinks of Jesus, it's good. Uh, so it, it's an interesting thing about humans and water. I mean, it's, uh, we need water. We have to have water every day. We have to have a certain amount every day even to survive. 
Um, we can only go so long without water. Uh, if you do try to go any length of time without water, the longest time I've ever gone was seven days. It was on a fast. I was very young. Talk about history teaching us and experiences. Seven days without water and food, without anything touching my mouth. And um, it, it wasn't a healthy thing. It was actually a very zealous thing, and I, I was full of zeal, and I decided that um, I, I was going to sacrifice my life to the Lord and went on a seven-day fast. And as I went on this fast, I was still in the military, still in special forces, still doing my every morning uh, rigorous exercises. And um, I, started to get, uh, I started to get sores in my mouth because my mouth was drying out. Of course, I was too naive to understand what was happening to me. And um, one of the, who I will call mom, because my mom was in California and I was stationed out here in Port Devens, one of, one of my secondary moms, Riley Jacoby, Doug's mom, came up to me and she said, what's the matter with you? You look terrible. <laughs> Not, only, a, a, only someone really close to you can say those kind of things and get away with it. And, and I basically said, well, I'm, I'm fasting. And she goes, how long have you been fasting? I said, seven days. And she said, what are you fasting from? And I said, everything. I'm not eating anything. And she said, not, you're not drinking anything either? No water? I said, no, no water, no food. Not even bread? No, no bread, no water. She goes, you need to drink something right now. And she pointed her finger at me. And, and I, I, inside of me, I was feeling like, you're resisting the spirit of God. You know? and I mean, I'm, all this stuff is going through my mind, all this zealous stuff. You know, you're just resisting the Holy Spirit, right? You don't understand where I'm at. But she knew exactly where I was at, and she made sure I drank water that morning from the bubbler at church. And uh, I, I just feel like there's a lot of things that we do as believers that go into an ultra-spiritual realm that God never really intended for us to go into. And I believe that there are things that are natural here for us, that are good things, they're they're healthy things, they're good things, they're things that we can gain value from, they're things that were created for us to rule over and to walk the earth and to partner with God over this creation. And I believe that those things are good. And I I think that a lot of times we, and I hate to put titles on segments of Christianity like Baptists or Catholics or Charismatics or Pentecostals or what I just don't like titles. I just, you know, as far as I can see in the Bible, it just says believers. That's what I like to believe. And I just feel like we can do things to go into areas that God never really intended us to go into. We can read the Bible and understand things on our own levels because we're in a certain culture or because we're in a certain society. And we can read the Bible and we try to take the things out of the Bible that we can adopt for ourselves because it makes sense to us. And I think we misinterpret the Word of God many times doing this uh, in, in our lives. I just think we just put a mischaracterization on God, misinterpret God, and I believe a lot of it is based upon the lies that we might have entertained from the enemy because he's a good liar, he's a father of lies. I would say that qualifies as a, as a liar that's real good at telling lies. And we can kind of like believe his stuff sometimes, and so we fall into traps. And I believe one of the traps that we've fallen into is, is the trap that we really don't have that much rule over creation anymore. It kind of rules us. When a, a storm comes our way, you know, like a, a bad hurricane or tornado, we hear of a tornado warning or whatever, we begin to panic. We go into panic mode. Well, we got something right now going on right now with the um, 
coronavirus. Coronavirus. I, I just like it. Say C V D O C. Coronavirus dead on contact. I believe we have control over nature. I believe we have control over the elements. I, I, don't, I don't believe that God put us here and then said, you blew it, you lost it all. I believe he put us here, we blew it, and Jesus reconciled it so that we can reconcile all things. All things. And uh, so water is a substance that we drink every day and we use every day. And I think we do it without our faith. We just basically do it. We just drink water. None of us really takes a look at this water and says, this water is a bottle of healing for me. But this, this, if we put our faith towards this, we can change its natural constitution into its original form. I really firmly believe this. I, I, I know I should be making questions right now and, and and asking questions like, do you believe that you can change the form of this water and bring it and reconcile it back to its original form? I personally feel that we can. Because I have for, for many years been on this supernatural quest, and for many years I've been looking into these things. And for many years God has been showing me pieces and pieces and pieces and I still must admit, I still see through a glass darkly. I still don't have all the answers, and I still don't understand everything. But that's not going to stop me from experimenting and taking a look deeper into the things that God has shown me and brought me to. So I just wanted to say that this comes from uh, the government, and um, basically um, it was uh, USGS, and it's basically about water and humans. And according to this statistic... The brain and heart are composed of 73% water. Did you know that? Your brain and your heart are composed of 73% water. The lungs are about 83% water. The skin contains 64% water. Muscles and kidneys are 79% water. And even the bones are watery. 31% of our bones are watery. The human body is composed of about 60% of water. And we basically are like walking gallons. And uh, there, <laughs> there is... A need for us to replenish ourselves with water. It's a very important substance. And I believe that it would be really great if we approached water with our faith and had a little bit different of a concept and perception towards that which we need so much every day. So that's pretty much a backdrop as to where I've gone. And where I, uh, am, or where I was at a couple weeks ago when I did part one of, of the water. And I'd invite you to listen to the podcast. It's online. Um, and uh, I was told by many that it was, it was a, great, a great thing and really changed a lot of their perspective on water. John chapter 4, 10, Jesus is at the well with the woman. He's sitting at the well and, he, and uh, they're talking back and forth. And, and uh, she's saying, uh, give me a drink. And he says, if you knew who was asking you, if you if, or this is what he says in John chapter 4.10, if you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Now, this is not your normal conversation at a well. Um, he, he's sitting there at the well. This woman comes up, sees him sitting there. Would you like a drink? He says, no, but how about if I give you one? And she says, well, you don't even have anything to draw with. 
And he says, oh, I've got plenty to draw with. And I think there's two things that in this conversation, in this encounter that Jesus is having with this woman at the well in John chapter 4, I think he reveals two things. He reveals, number one, he reveals something about the water that's in the well. And he says that if you drink this water, you will thirst again. But if you drink the water that I give you, you will have life to everlasting. Now, that's an interesting statement because I'm, I'm thinking, of course, anyone knows if you drink this water, you're going to thirst again. But I'm thinking that he's talking about a different kind of water, and he's talking about a water that springs up into eternal life. And that's the kind of water that he gives. And so what if Jesus was trying to reveal something and trying to open something up at this conversation at the well? What if he was trying to stir something to point out that the water in the well wasn't always like this. But in its original form before the fall of man, that water was eternal water and it sprung up to give eternal life to all that had contact with it. Interesting, isn't it? I think everything in creation that we see today has been changed drastically and dramatically from its original form. It's just like when Adam and Eve were in the garden, they broke a partnership, they broke a covenant with God. God had wanted them to be partners with him to rule and to reign over the face of the earth. They broke a partnership with him. They partnered with the enemy instead. When they partnered with the enemy, all sorts of things fell out of alignment, including creation. There was no death. You think about this. There was no death. There was no death in the earth. None. No disease, no decay. Nothing died. Lions didn't eat lambs. They laid down with them. Here's a good one for you. I don't believe mosquitoes bit anybody. I don't think they... That's right. That's one thing we can... I've been working on that one for years. Taking control of the mosquito population. I just think that's fascinating to me. We, we live now in our current state, and we kind of like see every day, we walk out and we see everything out in creation, we see everything that's out there, and we just kind of get lost in this lie that it's always been like that. But it hasn't always been like that. And I think what it used to be like is what we used to be like before we fell. We were created in God's image. And we had his image stamped in us. Every human that he created before the fall had the image of God stamped in them. His image is in us. Water is full of heaven before the fall because it was full of God's voice. Nothing quenched that voice. Nothing quenched the water. The water was alive. I don't know about you, but I, I really would love to see water come to life. I, it's, it's like, would it look like, um, you know, maybe some of the fictional movies that we've seen where 
uh, like in Chronicles of Narnia where the river comes to life. And, you know, and it, I, I don't know what it would look like. I don't know, but I just know there's something more there. You know, it's like, it's like the natural water that's around us. There's something more in this than just a substance. If this substance can give us life, there's something more to it than just a substance. Now, I know some of you are like, I've never heard anything like this. It's okay. Relax. I'm not telling you you have to believe this. I'm just wanting to like give you a proposal of what if we, as believers, have been given that much authority that we can change the natural ingredients to become something more supernatural. What if our faith can really regenerate water to its origins? Let's turn to Romans chapter 18. Or Romans chapter 8, that would be good. Romans chapter 18. Romans chapter 8, verse 18. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared to the glory which shall be revealed in us. For the earnest expectation of creation awaits eagerly for the real revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it, in hope. Because the creation itself also will be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. Now, I don't know what you just heard just then. But what I just read is a very powerful verse that talks about, number one, creation is waiting. It is groaning, but it is waiting to be rescued and redeemed into the liberty of the children of God. Wow. Liberty of the children of God. That's right. The children of God bring liberty to creation. Right now, the trees are groaning. We can't hear them, but they're groaning. They're just like, wake up, you guys. You were created in the image of God. All around us, it's saying, wake up. Wake up. Because we we want the more that was given to us. In the original. I know this. To to you guys, you know, maybe this doesn't really sing to your heart. It's like you might be sitting there and going, what's this got to do with, you know, me being behind on my bills? I got to pay my bills. What's this got to do with me keeping my car full of gas? What's this got to do with keeping a home over my head? What's this got to do with my kids who are rebelling against me right now? And it's just hard to keep them even in line. What's this got to do with any of that? It's got everything to do with that. When you get a picture of this, when you understand that you have been created in God's image and that you have been assigned as a partnership with him to rule and reign over the things of this earth, over this earth and over the beast of the field, to rule and to reign over them, that you are not a victim. You're not some hopeless person who crisis comes your way and there's nothing you can do about it. You're a believer who can actually walk on water if your faith is there to do so. What did Jesus say? He said, greater things than these shall you do, 
than I do because I'm going to the Father. Why did he say that? Because he knew our destiny. He knew our origins as children of God. It wasn't just a wishful hope that someday we'll come into this. It was like, come into this. This is why I'm here. Second Corinthians says that we are a new creation. What is a new creation? It's a new creation. What does a new creation do? It does new created things. Verse 22, for we know that the whole creation groans and labors in birth pangs until now. Not only that, we also, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, eagerly awaiting for the adoption, the redemption of our body. For we were saved in this hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. For why does one still hope for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we eagerly wait for it with perseverance. Wait for it with perseverance. Okay, so let's look at this, okay? Because when I started exploring this, some time ago, when we started looking into ecstasia, which I think has been in its eighth year now, and when we started looking into ecstasia and the meaning of what ecstasia uh, actually means in the Greek, it means to actually take authority, to rule over things, to have authority, to rule over things. So it, it like basically is a reigning uh, in a, a position, like Ephesians calls us, or, or Peter calls us, kings and priests of the Most High God, that we are a royal priesthood, a chosen nation. Ephesians says we've been seated with him in heavenly places. So we have this position in Christ that we are able to actually rule over these things. And when we first started looking into this, um, it was a curious thing to me. I didn't understand the word ecstasia. Um, and it really started in a, in a matter of an injury that happened to me in my neck. And that was many years ago. That was like 15, maybe 16 years ago. And I herniated three, three discs in my neck, C1, C2, or C1, C3, and C5. And I remember uh, going to the doctor after two weeks of them sticking to me and jabbing me and doing all kinds of x-rays and tests and running MRIs and sitting in that machine that goes bum, 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 makes all clicking noises, you know, and you're laying there as still as you can and going through all this test only to hear the report afterwards that I was going to either need surgery or drugs for the rest of my life. And I just looked at, I just looked at the guy and I knew he was coming from a medical perspective and this is all he knew. This is what he trained for. This, is, this was his element of living. But I knew as he said it that there was an element of living that he wasn't taking into consideration and that was the element of living that I chose to do. And what I did at that point in time is I, I, I thanked him and I looked at him and I said, I, I, I'm sorry, but I can't be on drugs for the rest of my life. I, I just, I don't do drugs. I can't do drugs. They don't do good with me. My body doesn't metabolize them. I get all messed up when I take them and I can't do that. I can't do painkillers. He said, well, then there's surgery. And I said, I can't do that either. I'm just, no knife is ever going to touch my neck. Now, that's not a standard for everybody, and I'm not laying that on anybody, except for that I was going on a search. I was on a mission for the more of God, that there had to be more in me as a believer than just settling for what was. And so I drove home, and I began to uh, talk to the Lord, and, and I, just, I didn't just ask the Lord. It's funny. I wasn't just like, Lord, would you please help me because I really need your help. It was like, Lord, you've got to do something about this. Because it was like, you, you need, I need your healing, and you have to do this. Because I've got no other option. This is it. I've chosen no other option. And I remember driving and looking in the... Uh, you know, rearview mirror to see uh, who was behind me. And I was looking in the rearview mirror. And as I looked in the rearview mirror, I caught a glimpse of my eyes. And I just remember very quickly just saying, you're healed to my neck. 
And I caught something in that. I caught this concept. What if I stood in front of a mirror every day and just spoke to my neck and called it into alignment? And I feel like the Holy Spirit just dropped this into my heart. It was like, like I said uh, uh, when I first started this series with Jesus in the waterfall. And, and I posted the picture up on the wall two weeks ago. It was a spontaneous thought. It wasn't something I'd prepared. It was just spontaneous at the time. You know, like, what if I just speak to myself in the mirror? And so I begin to speak to myself in the mirror. I begin to talk to my neck every morning. I'd wake up and I'd just speak to my neck. And I know some of you have heard this story before, but some of you haven't. But I still find it a fascinating testimony to the glory of God that as I stood there in pain for uh, the next three weeks, talking to my neck and still having the pain and still not having any, any shift within that thing, I can, I can remember the day I didn't have to stand in the mirror and talk to my neck because my neck was healed. Amen. Amen. And I can remember that day specifically because it was like I, I persevered for something. I felt like I, I knew something more was there and that I needed to persevere for that something. And that's what I did. And that's when I got on this mission of exploration. And this exploration is very, uh, it's very risky because it, that, even that kind of statement might sound arrogant to someone who's had to go through a surgery. And that's not the intent of this statement at all. This is not to bring shame or guilt on anybody who, who chooses to do that. This is just to say, for me, I couldn't opt into that because there was something bigger that I knew. I just knew there had to be something bigger than this. So I hope no one in here thinks I'm telling you skip surgery, don't do drugs. <laughs> I just say that, don't do drugs. I hope, I hope, yeah, that as adults we're all able to sort through these things according to our faith. And I believe that's a Romans chapter 14 thing, even for this testimony that I have, it's my faith, according to my faith, I just said, I'm not doing this. I, I, I got to have something more. And thankfully, God broke through. Thankfully, I got healed. But it opened something up in my heart to understand I do have authority. I'm not a victim. I have authority over things, even things that seem impossible, even things that don't seem like they're ever going to change. Somehow. I've been giving something more than what I recognized and more than what I understood, and I needed that something. And that caused me to, to press forward. Then that led off into other things. And many of you that are here can remember the first time I publicly said, I don't get sick. How many of you remember that? And some of you just went, Boo! And it's been years that I've been saying this because every fall and every spring I used to get sick and sometimes for two weeks to three weeks at a time. It was never a quick little sniffle. It was something that drug into a horrible feeling. I, at some points I had to skip church because I was so miserable in my body. And when I started getting on to this thing about how our tongue carries life, Power. it carries the ability to actually create things because we've been created in his image, when I realize that, I begin to understand that we can shift our circumstances to line up to the will of God and to the kingdom of heaven. 
And so I begin to say, I don't get sick. And I can remember saying, I don't get sick. And I remember saying, I don't get sick. And then three weeks later, I was sick. And at that point, I had to make a determination. Am I going to give in to the sickness and just say, what a, what a floppy thing that was? Or am I going to say, no, I believe something. I'm, I'm hanging on to this and persevere. And that's what I did. I just chose to keep saying, I don't get sick. Now, since that time, I have gotten sick several times. But it's not every year and it's not every season the way I used to. And I would say that's an accomplishment. Maybe it's not a huge accomplishment, but it's an accomplishment. It's progress. It's, it's going somewhere. And that's because I begin to train my thinking and I begin to wash my mind according to the word of God. And just say, I'm going to believe the truth in these matters. And that's just it. I believe there's something in all of us that wants to believe that we can live longer and have healthier lives. You walk into any store and you look at all the products on the shelves. There's makeup, there's drugs. Everybody is into wanting to find something to make them look younger and to make them look healthier. We have hair renewal things. We've got hair dyes. We've got makeup. We've got all... By the way, we are not opposed to makeup here. I have to say that because I grew up in a church that was opposed to women wearing makeup, and believe me, they needed some. But but just look at the products. I mean, we've got we've got supplements. I take supplements. I have like eleven supplements that I take every day. I I believe in taking supplements. I believe that we just need to regenerate our our body with them and stuff. So we've got all these products. But what if these products are just kind of like trying to connect to a deeper thing within us, a deeper call, yearning, a deeper hunger that is within us. What if these products are trying to meet the need of that cry that is deep within us that there is more to this life than being born, going to school, getting a job, getting a home, a car, having a successful life, and then dying. What if there's something actually more in there? And these supplements are just nothing but a fig leaf that we've tried to make for ourselves to cover up. What if, as sons and daughters of the Most High God, we have the ability to create change? All right, you ready for this? This is going to be fun. And what if our faith really unlocks the beauty of the original state? That health and youth can be restored by our faith, by our tongue and how we speak. As arrogant as it might sound that I don't get sick, I believe there's something in the speaking of it. I mean, my body hears it. My cells hear my voice. They respond to our voices. They hear us. They hear our speech. It's our memory hears it. There's, there's actually research that has been done on, uh, on memory recall. And one of the stories that I love reading was a story of uh, a child who was murdered. And they, um, their heart was put into another child. And this other child kept having dreams of being murdered by someone with a knife. 
And the child finally ended up getting the child into turmoil and getting distressed. It was like these nightmares were frequently recurring. And so this child um, told their parents, and their parents didn't know what to do about it. Um, and so that it just so happened that there was an article or something that the parent read about memory recall in patients who had received organs from other other people, that there was some kind of memory recall within those organs. And those people started having these kind of experience after they received things. And so what ended up happening is the, uh, the child uh, was called, uh, or, the, or the police were called to do uh, a report on this child because they knew that the person's heart that was now in this child was someone who had been murdered. So they did a sketch of the person. The child had a perfect description of who this person was with the knife. They did a sketch of the person, and they caught the person and arrested him for the murder of the other child. Now, see, I would have to say that 60 or 70 years ago, we never would have even gone that way. But we have new technology today, and we have medicine has come forward today doing great things. And I mean, there's like, there is a lot to this that I believe I still haven't even found. I'm, I'm just scratching the surface on this stuff. And I'm getting excited about it because it like it restores something. It restores something about our identity. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 to 20. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God? You are not your own. This is our identity. We are not full of dirty water. We are full of the Holy Spirit as believers. He lives in us. He's within us. He's in us. Uh, it, it bothers me when people magnify sin over God's grace. It just bothers me when I hear believers do it. You know, they walk around, they feel like their sin is stronger than than the gift of life that's been given to him. And it's like, your sin isn't stronger. Your sin is defeated by Jesus Christ. It's like, it was destroyed. Look it up. Romans chapter, Romans chapter 5, Romans chapter 6, Romans chapter 7, Romans chapter 8. It is all victory. It's all about victory over this nature that we keep regurgitating all over the place. Well, we're just humans. We're just sinners. And we just keep regurgitating that all over again. And it's like, your body's listening to you say that stuff. Your memories are listening to that. Your cells are listening to that. Even though you might not want to even agree with that, you're repeating something to yourself. It's far better to, to say, I am saved by grace. I am a new creation. I no longer have sin. Far better to say that because your body's listening. <laughs> your body's smart. In some cases, it might be smarter than your head. John chapter 7, 37 to 39. On the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. And he who believes in me, as the scripture said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. What kind of water? Living water. He spoke this concerning the Spirit, whom those believing in him would receive. For the Holy Spirit was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. Now, I want to tell you a story of something that happened back in the early 2000s. Um, I don't remember the date. I have it in my notes somewhere, but I was too lazy to go trying to 
sort through all my thousands of sermons and try to find the date that this happened. But it was in the early 2000s, and I was speaking. It was a Sunday morning. As I looked out, I was just speaking just like I'm to you this morning. As I'm looking out, our building was facing that way at that time. It was in a different configuration. And as I was speaking, I was just going across, scanning like I usually do, everybody. And, and as I'm scanning across, um, my eyes caught this uh, human silhouette form. It was like this um, silhouette. And uh, we had windows on that wall at that time, so part of the lights. But this was like, this was not like just a, a vision. It was more like an open vision because I could still see the people sitting and this thing was right there. I could still see the red pews. I could still see everything. And, and I was just going like this, and I'm scanning. And within a glass glance, I just caught this form. And within this form, there were these um, currents of water that were going uh, back and forth. They were ripples. They were like ripples in the water. And then there were lights that looked kind of like stars, but they weren't stars. They were just like light uh, balls or orbs or whatever you might want to call them. And they're darting back and forth inside of this form. And this form is just like moving there's movement all within this form but the form was very still in itself and i i just caught a quick glance and then i i realized i just saw something and i went back to find it and it was it wasn't there anymore and i talked to a a more respected minister about it that later that week and as i talked to him he said you know what i heard bob jones describe his he had a vision of the holy spirit one time and he described it exactly as what you've described to me and I said, really? And he said, yeah. Yeah. He said, I, I really think you saw the form of the Holy Spirit. And it blew my mind. I wasn't expecting to hear that. Maybe an angel or something like that. I, I didn't know it was just this form and life all inside of moving waters and everything. And I believe that that verse describes living water as the Spirit because the Holy Spirit is living water. And that's how he functions. He functions with movement. He functions with life. He doesn't partner with death. He's all about life. He flows with life. He's a, you know, if you look at the scripture that talks about the river of life in Ezekiel, everything in that river is living and alive. And we want to take a look at that right now in Ezekiel chapter 47. I'm going to read this. It's uh, rather long. and I apologize for, t- for today, but I'm hoping that I'm hoping I'm hoping that I can finish quickly. But hope that is not seen is not really hope. I, I don't, whatever. I don't know. Ezekiel chapter 47, verse 1. Then he brought me back to the door of the temple, and there was, there was, uh, and there was water flowing from under the threshold of the temple toward the east, and from the front of the temple face, face the east, and the water. I'm going to go through this very fast because it's very, it, believe me, I, I want to get to where I'm going, and I can't get there trying to decipher all of this. He brought me by the way to the north gate and led me around the outside of the outer gate and that was facing east and there was water running out of the right side. And when the man went out to the east with the line in his hand, he measured 1,000 cubits and he brought me through the waters and the water came up to my ankles. All right, now I've heard this message preached before. I've preached from this message before and it was a completely different way that I'm going to be going today on it because I preached that some people, they just rather be in the water by their ankles and don't want to go out too deep, blah, blah, blah. Okay, so I'm not going there. You've probably heard the same kind of message over and over again throughout the years on this passage, but there's something in this passage that uncovers a theme that we've been on and we've been discussing concerning living water, and that's what I want to point out. 
Again, he measured 1,000 and brought me through the waters, and the water came up to my knees. And again, he measured 1,000 and brought me through the water and came up to my waist. And again, he measured 1,000, and it was a river that I could not cross, for the water was too deep. The water in which one must swim, a river that could not be crossed. And he said to me, Son of man, have you seen this? And then he brought me and returned me to the bank of the river. When I returned there along the bank of the river were very many trees on one side and the other. Now this is very interesting. I'm finding in this passage some things that uh, I'm going to speak about in just a minute. But I find it very interesting that when he went into the water at first, he didn't notice the trees. He only noticed the trees when he came out of the water. Then he said to me, the water flows towards the eastern region, goes down into the valley and enters the sea. When it reaches the sea, its waters are healed. And it shall be that every living thing that moves, wherever the rivers go, will live. There will be very great multitude of fish, because these waters go there. For they will be healed, and everything will live wherever the river goes. And it shall be that the fishermen will stand by it, from Engedi to Engalim. And they, there, they will be places for spreading their nets. Their fish will be in the same kind of the fish of the great sea exceedingly many, but its swamps and marshes will not be healed. They will be given over to salt, which, by the way, salt is a healer. Along the bank of the river, on this side of that, will grow all kinds of trees used for food. Their leaves will not wither. Their fruit will not fail. They will bear fruit every month because their waters flow from the sanctuary. Their fruit will be like for food and their leaves for medicine. Pretty incredible vision that he's having. And I want to explain what I believe and what I think this vision actually means. The man takes him out with a measuring and measures a thousand cubits. And he does this four times, measuring these cubits. And I believe he's, he's drawing in this vision. He's showing a great distance and a vast distance that, that lives between the waters and the land of the other seas. And I believe that the prophet is seeing a vision for a time that is to come. It's a foretelling, so to speak. It's, it's this... You're, you're not here at this place right now, but I'm going to show you something that's going to come. I'm going to bring you into a place that's going to happen. And he brings him out into the water, and it's very clear to Ezekiel that the waters can't be crossed. It's too far for them to measure. Now you think about now, okay? You think about how waters separate continents, and you think about how on those continents there are people, and you think about how far the distance is, and how far it must have looked to Ezekiel as he's standing there in the water, knowing that way out there somewhere on the other side is some land somewhere, but he can't get to it. There's no way he can cross. You think about this. In his day, when there were no ships that chartered the oceans going to other continents, when there were no airplanes that could fly us from one continent to the next, when there were no jets that could fly us in one day across the world to scan the entire world, Think about this. He's measuring the distance. He's measuring the scale in like a timeline, so to speak. And he's telling the prophet, right now, you can't cross. But the day is going to come when you'll cross. So I believe he's pointing to something that's going to come. And I believe also one of the reasons that the Lord had him go into the water was because when he came out of the water, there were trees along the shore. I believe the Lord, when he, when he showed in the river and how the river actually purified the sea, it actually turned the sea 
clean. It made the sea pure. The sea became good. And there was healing in the water. And there was healing in the seas. And there was prosperity in the seas. The fishermen could fish their their nets and there'd be an abundance of fish. Speaks of the prosperity of a time that is to come. It speaks of the, the healing of a time that is to come. And I personally believe for where we're going with this topic and for where we're going with the sons of God being, being restored and the sons of God finally awakening and saying, hey, 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 we have the ability to create change because we have been given this from God and that we're in that season today. And I believe that we, as the sons of God, are going to have the answers to the pollution in this world. I believe we're going to have the answers to the pollution in the ocean I believe one of the reasons Ezekiel was led into the water, it was a picture of the Son of Man, it was this picture of the partnership with man going into the waters and the waters becoming different when they do. And I believe it's a partnership that we're seeing and we're seeing this in our healing rooms and we're seeing this on our, on our service. We've been seeing it in our meetings. Every time we get together, we have more people healed. We're starting to see people that are really getting this in their hearts and in their minds and they're saying... I've got this. I can do this. This is something that God has given me to do, and I get to create the change in people. I tell you, there's, you might, because you might be healthy, you might not think you need healing, but same day you might, be, you might need healing, and you'll be glad you had this teaching then. But I hope you get it before then, and prepare yourself, and persevere through this, because there is so, this is so good. It is such a good thing for us to have, because we can stop crises, we can stop disasters, we can stop things from happening. I believe that I really do believe about the virus. We can stop this virus. It's just like, why should a virus all of a sudden appear on the earth and put at least this country into a total panic, into a high-scale panic, and what I believe is an exaggerated panic, my own personal opinion. But people without protection are freaking out right now. It's crazy. Because they don't see they have protection. And as believers, we have been given protection. Psalms 91 talks about the protection that we have. We have the Holy Spirit living inside of us. We have the river of life inside of us. We have protection. I am not about to respond in fear to this thing. As a matter of fact, If you know someone that has it, I'll be glad to come and lay my hands on them and pray. I just don't think there's anything that we have to be afraid of. I believe we have to be smart. I believe we have to take cautions. I got that. I understand that. But really, dead on contact. Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you? I still don't get that Ezekiel thing. I still don't get it. Well, the water was coming out of the temple. Hello. The water was coming out of the temples. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. You carry a great amount of living water in you, more than 60%. I just bless you, church. We are going to have a great time of fellowship in the back today. Looking forward to it.
So go out, heal sick, cast out demons, and raise the dead. You guys are awesome. Thank you. Bless you. Thank you.